Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Here's some tips for maintaining your Trex deck. Um, occasionally wash it with some soapy water or a pressure cleaner. Trex composite decking is low maintenance and won't fade, splinter or warp. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. Get ready for a workday pick-me-up. This is Afternoons with Staffy on SCNZ. If you join us every day between 12 and 4, you're on Afternoons with Staffy brought, in with, uh, brought to you in association with Gull. They fuel your mission all year round and they fuel this show 12 to 4 every day and it's great to have them aboard. Great economical fuel stop for your vehicles. Wow, this 1A rugby stuff's taken off, hasn't it? Wowee. And once again, as I just mentioned in, to Ricardo in the, in the show handover there, we, we're not getting the full stories. The decision's been made. No one will talk about it. Finger pointing. You're left to speculate. I've just gone through a few of the text messages that have come into um, Ricardo's show, who's filling in for Smithy, doing a great job at it. Um, and it, as Ricardo walked out of the studio, I said, there's so many fingers to this story. Um, he's had some private messages from people involved in the decision but you can't quote them I've had discussions with people but you can't quote them and I won't well I might tell you a bit about what they said but I can't tell you who it was from because ramifications so why is it why why is it we saw it with we thought a communication lesson was learned when the Irish rugby team were in New Zealand as far as New Zealand rugby went and it's just another tag on to the scheduling of Black Ferns game in the World Cup against uh, pipe opener for the Northern Tour of the All Blacks against Japan, both playing at the same time. Cock up. Cock up. But ducking for cover and wishing people luck and um, I just, it's so frustrating because we love the game. We love our kids and we love education and just just be open and transparent and give us the reasons why and I'm cool with it. I'm cool with it. You don't, when you hear about a decision that you, you disagree with, you're probably like me that I'm okay if someone disagrees with my opinion 
and have their own opinion as long as it's well founded. Like, who's an example? Um, I'll use an example close to home. Tony Kemp on Brecky. I quite often disagree with his view on things. He'll give his opinion. And then he'll give us building blocks why he's formed that opinion. And I can step back and say, I can understand, Kempi, why you've come to that conclusion. I don't agree with you, but I respect your opinion and the building blocks you've used to make that opinion. I'm the same on this rugby thing, on Sky TV, secondary school rugby in Auckland. I'm, the same. I'm happy to hear your story. We're hearing bits from that, the odd quote from that, um, and it's weird. I'm hearing that the 1A schools, they don't have um, a contract with New Zealand Rugby that flows into the broadcasting. My understanding is Sky has the relationship with the 1A teams. New Zealand Rugby aren't involved. Are New Zealand Rugby trying to get in and have an administrative, not controlling, but an administrative um, hand in 1A school rugby? I don't know because no one's telling me. So that's what Midday Madness is also. We'll get Tony Johnson's thoughts on it as well. He's been a bit around the great game for a long, long time. So we'll talk to him about this. So we'll, we'll get him to cast his eye over the NPC final, which happened in the weekend, and also the Women's World Cup. Lots of rugby issues with TJ today. He'll be at about 1.15. Uh, 2.15, Armour Ab- Ab- Abgazi. Ab- oh, sorry, Agbaze. Very hard name for me to say. I, I, I really try and pride myself on getting pronunciations wrong. But you will remember her as the former England netball captain, uh, won the 2018, captained the 2018 England Roses. Bit of a profile piece, I think, with Armour. We'll get to know her again. She's played a little bit in New Zealand as well. And, of course, the Roses in a fantastic game of netball last night, actually, against uh, the Australian Diamonds. If you hadn't caught up, the Diamonds beat them two seconds on the clock by one goal. It was fantastic. Um, what else have we got? We've got the GWE top of TV character Jamboree. There's some big matchups today. How many have we got? We've got one, two, just the two, two lots of, sorry, we've got four in two different time slots. So at 12.30 and at 1.30 we'll tell you the ones that you can vote on. We've got the Volts, which is up to 150, 150 today. Um, just three questions today. It's going to get hard. Uh, it's going to get very difficult. Uh, and show me the money today. We were so close last week to a $10,000 collect, like literally two inches when Nelson Asafa Solomona was dragged down just short of the try line. But midday madness. I don't have the answers. And there's probably people out there that don't have the, I feel like there's more questions on this. If there's people out there who are who have a better knowledge base on this situation than us, I'd love to hear from you. 0800-150-811. Maybe you've got kids or grandkids involved in the 1A competition up here in Auckland um, because I don't fully understand it. I don't really want to guess. I don't want to get it wrong. Um, but interested in your thoughts on it. That's Midday Madness. This 1A televised, televised high school sport. What about it? Do you like it? Have they made the right decision, wrong decision? Your thoughts. 0800 150 Midday Madness. Let's go. Well, listen, Buster. You better start to move your feet to the rockin'est beat of madness. To the phones we go. A man that is very passionate and been around rugby for a long, long time. Jeff from Cromwell. G'day, Jeff. Jeffy, how you going, buddy? Good, man. I'm confused. Uh, I'm confused most days, but I'm a little bit more confused today. Yeah, I know. I'm, like, oh, I'm sort of coming from a, a parent plus a referee, really. I mean, 
I know that right from rougher rugby through the age group rugby, you know, there's, there's you know, and I've refereed as it, well. Saw my son go through the age group to the Targo sort of age group level and first fifteen level, but um, none of his games were televised. There has been a Dunstan High School televised games, which I've been involved with, or or you know, um, I just sort of two points of view really. I mean, I think it's pretty cool as a referee that yeah you know, get to be involved in those games. Um, but as a parent, I wonder well, whether we're a wee bit guilty of, like, I mean, I'll put my hand up and say that I'll put pressure on, like, <clears throat> probably both my kids to perform, you know, and, you know, if he's talked uh, regarding my son with the rugby, thinking, OK, he's in Otago, you know, push him a bit harder, maybe maybe the next level was, you know, into that the big time. Um, obviously, always thinking that, yeah, might get a son on the All Blacks. Hmm. So it must be great for the Barracks to have three sons there. But I just think sometimes we, we're guilty as parents. Um, and then obviously the kids will put pressure on themselves when they get older, thinking they see the pathway. And that's the bit I worry about. I'd hate to see what happened to cycling happen to any of our rugby teenagers, you know, whether it's first 15 or in the lower grades. You know, that's the, from a parent point of view, I'd hate to see the. You know, what supporters are there for these ones that don't make it, you know? And like it happened in New Zealand cycling, where's the well-being and mental support for these ones that have been... Because eventually, but like myself, I went through the referee ranks and then I hit the wall and didn't go any further. And it took me a while, took me a couple of years to get over that and, you know, and deal with it. But I was an adult, so I worry about these kids that, OK, they've got family support there. But sometimes it takes more than that, you know, um, You've hit hit on a good point because it might be one of those decisions they've made that we'll never know how good the decision was because you don't want to be the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff. You want to be at the ambulance at the top and cart them away before they jump. And um, that's probably a horrible uh, picture to paint. But you know what I mean? Like cycling were forced into action when it was too late. Maybe the schools in Auckland have identified, let's do something before it's too late because they've seen some behaviours. They've seen some changes in the players. And I talked to a first 15 coach last night who for obvious reasons can't come on the show, but just said he's also a teacher at the school and said when their game is coming up to be on TV, they're not in the classroom, they're not focused, they've just got their playbooks out and they're strutting around the school, they're so focused because they've got a televised game this weekend. And first and foremost, you're at school yep. to become an adult, to get your education, but it goes out goes out the door if your game's on telly. So I sort of get it from that perspective. Yeah, like, like Maris, I still do. I come down to the junior rugby age group and referee, and it's the hardest. I mean, the kids are fine, but it's the parents. <laughs> the abuse on the referee and the abuse to their own kids, or and that can be coaches as well as parents, which are normally uh, parent coaches, that's the issue too. You know, so it's, I think we all need to pull our head in, you know, and let the kids enjoy it at that level. Um, you know, I've got nothing against televised uh, you know, on TV, it's fantastic from an educate like good for coaches, players, and referees to see see the games televised. But at the end of the day, if there's an issue with the kids' well-being and uh, mental state, because um, you know expectations from the coaches, the parents, and themselves, that's the bit. You know, I'm sort of from a, a parent perspective, I'd be concerned about if there is a 
a major issue out there. Mm. And, um, you know, because uh, first fifteen's fantastic. It's some of the best rugby. I still prefer that in Prem. Rugby to referee, it's fantastic, you know. And every time I get one of those games to do, I'm just thr- so thrilled to get one, you know. And because um, all I want to do is keep the ball alive and... Mm. And um, they haven't learned to cheat at that uh, age. <laughs> like, you know, you know, and they call you sir. You know, yes, Mister Steph, the ref. You know, they're really, you know, and most of them are coached to respect the ref anyway. Like uh, when they get to that first fifteen level, they're, they're all well coached and normally well disciplined. But uh, I, yeah, I, I just don't. I think they've just got to find that balance and make sure the. Kids are well balanced when they leave because uh, you're only an injury away, whether you're a referee or a player, when you mm-hmm. leave school. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so what do you, what do, you do then? Mm-hmm. If you're not educated or haven't got a trade, you know, sorted out, then that's, you know, that's, that's from a father's point of view, really. Good stuff, Jeff. Happy. Good talking to you, buddy. I know you're a caring man, and thank you for your call. Yep. Thanks, Debbie. Cheers, Good buddy. Day. Jeff out of Cromwell. Um, I hope there's some statistical or some anecdotal reasons behind this that will make it understandable. I'm I'm neither here nor there whether I get to watch first fifteen rugby on TV. Um, but if there are behavioural changes that are, are warning signs, and these schools have said we don't like to see what's going on, again, don't want to speculate, but I'd love to hear from someone. We're going to hear from Zaid. G'day, Zaid. Hi. Um, what about that cricket result last night for Ireland beating England? It was awesome. Yeah, didn't see that coming, and I actually jumped on Ireland on the live odds. So did I. Yeah. Four seventy-five. I got. Well, I got them at two ninety-five or something. Oh, yeah, too, too late, Zay. Too late. Too late. Four seventy-five. <laughs> <laughs> I still had England a dollar thirty at the time. I was like, I, was like, uh, I don't know, but mm. yeah, they they lost too many wickets too early, really. Mm. Um. And on this uh, Black Ferns, All Black situation, right? I know how they kind of clash, right? Yep. But the thing is, right, they're not both on Sky anyway. So is that is that still really clashing or what? You know what I mean? Well, it is because they're at the same time. But they're actually 40 minutes apart. But yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, but I think the second half of one's on the same time as the first half of the other. Yeah. Again, but not... they're actually not both on Sky, are they really? Um, no. I think the Black Ferns is delayed on TV3. Uh, yeah, what's well, on Spark? Yeah, and yeah. it's live on Spark. But I'll, I'll watch the Black Ferns and then I'll watch. I'll record the the All Blacks and watch that later. Yeah, I don't know. Just it's just that's just New Zealand rugby for you. There's not really much you can do. And on the first fifteen situation, I, I don't know. I guess if it's really hindering them, then just don't do it. But mm. I guess it's good exposure for them. I don't know. They seem to do that with American sport. You you never stop seeing what college. College, M, college basketball, college NFL, so it's all over there. But I, 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 I don't know if it's not, if they're not focusing well. But but I don't know. But don't they get pressure on themselves anyway, even if they aren't on TV? I don't know. Yeah, but, I think the American teenager is a different animal to a New Zealand teenager. I really do. Um, it's, are, yeah. it, it's sort of they've grown up with school kids, but in, I'm going to actually actually talk to Sam Hewitt about it very shortly because he went to America on a sporting scholarship, and um, so I just want to see the difference between New Zealand and American. But anyway, Zate, thanks for calling, bud. All good. Thank you. Bye. Cheers, mate. Um, Dave from Palmy. G'day, Dave. Afternoon, Staffy. Lovely day in Auckland, isn't it? Jeez. Beautiful. Beautiful in the studio. Yeah. Air conditioning that doesn't turn hey. off and on. 
<laughs> I didn't get on Island. I couldn't couldn't find a, a 3G spot, but I <laughs> I saw after four overs they were 37 runs, and I was thinking, gee, here we go. And I thought I'd get on, but I couldn't get on. But uh, yeah, great result. Any time the English lose, it's a great result. Um, like with with this ambulance at the cliff, you know, uh, precaution is way better than reaction. Way better, you know. Prevention and precaution is way yeah. better than uh, reaction. And like you, you'll know this from your time at Palmy Boys High. There was a guy, Craig Wicks. You know, he was when Amosi Colotto was playing, and yep. you know, in the same team, he played one game for the All Blacks in Wangaree, not a Test cap. Blew his knee, never seen again. Mm. That was way back then. You know what happened to him? You know, because I know at Napier Boys High, if you if you played rugby, you were treated like a tin god. You know, but and back in the day where you got accredited, you didn't have to work. You were going to get accredited if you're in, you know, a, a good rugby player. That's just how it went. That's just how it went, and you got away with a lot that mm. you know other boys didn't get. And I. I'm assuming Palmerston was the same because you know rugby was held in such a high regard. Um, you know the pressure, the pressure on these kids, and like there was that um, series. I think it was called First Fifteen or something. You know, done in New Zealand about you know boys in the first uh, fictitious First Fifteen mm. in Auckland it was on TV, and you know like that, that went through a few of the trials and tribulations. But um, it'll be interesting to see. There'll be. There'll be more to this story, like, you know, there must be a reason why, the, you know, the monetary or something. Um, yeah, and, like, if it's not on TV, you go and watch the game, and I always watch Palmy Boys, Napier Boys. Yeah, so do I. So do yeah. I. And it's, it's like um, people are saying they want the crowds to go back, but when you watch it on TV, they're packed crowds anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And there's some, is, it, is it Australia that that's the game's... In the city, they don't put it on until like an hour delayed or something. Was it somewhere else? No, that's they do that. Back. They do that with the AFL. It's not broadcast in the state they're playing unless the grounds a sellout. So if it's not a sellout, yeah. um, they don't show it live. They used to do it. Um, they used to do it when I was a kid with the All Blacks too. You'd look in the listener or the or the newspaper for what time the game was kicking off. It wouldn't be in the TV listings, and then all of a sudden it would just yeah. play. It was it was funny, but. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't. I, there will be pros and cons about broadcasting boys playing rugby. I do know that, and there's some powerful ones for doing it, and some powerful ones for doing against it. But I stand by. These are the people that spend all day with these boys. These are the educators who are in their positions of power, and these are the big, big schools and very capable uh, headmasters, head of sports departments. They've made yeah. this decision for a reason. I'd just like a little bit more clarity on the decision. Yeah, well, the procedures that make it through. You know, and actually hit the big time and make a living out of it, and enough living in that um, window to you know set themselves up for life. Is it's got to be one percent or less. And like with the TV, I was just thinking with the football in England, all the three o'clock games, none of them are showed on TV, none of them at all. The three o'clock clickhouse on a Saturday, there's nothing televised. You have to wait watch it on match of the day with Gary Lineker or something. They they have a rule like that. So people people go to the games but those crowds are uh, a lot different to our rugby crowds. They sure are. They sure are. Um, <laughs> good call though, Dave. And uh, maybe one day okay. we'll have to stand on the sideline and watch the Napier boys play Palmy one day. 
Oh, definitely, Steph. Definitely. That would be very, very enjoyable. Let's do Okay, it. mate, you well, have a good day. You too, Thanks Dave. Good to hear from you, buddy. 0800 150 Have you got a take on this? I'd love to hear from you. We'll be back with your calls after this. Uh, welcome back in. Straight back to the phones. 0800 150 for your say. We go to Joey in Auckland. G'day, Joey. Yeah, g'day, Steph. Yeah, look, look I'm with uh, Dino and um, I think it was John earlier on uh, this morning. You know, we've got to promote the under-19s and under-21s. So mm. the idea would be now, would be, Steph, would be to go and, and um, televise the Auckland, Auckland playing Canterbury, Auckland playing counties under-19s. So therefore, the kids going to school will want to go play club rugby to be on TV if they want to be on TV, you know, because kids obviously... These kids love being on television in the first 15. They love it. I mean, they, they play harder because they're going, oh, I'm going to be on television this weekend. Fantastic. So what, what we should do is, is, I think, promote the under-19s and whoever's playing in the under-19s, Auckland, you've, you've got to play your club rugby to get in the Auckland side, and then, and then that's on television. Then these guys will go and play, play more at their club. Then your club football becomes a lot better because you've got the young ones wanting to to go further and get exposed on television. The only way they do is by by going to club, playing for their club, getting picked for Auckland or, or Canterbury or Wellington, whatever, and then being on TV. And, uh, and we've been struggling in the under-20s the last few years. Dino was dead right. You know, we were, we were a powerhouse about five or six years ago. Now we're not, mate. I love that point. I really love that point because you talk to any sport and – Every sport will tell you it's that transition from high school to keep them engaged in the sport going on into becoming an adult. They lose so many in that 16 to 20-year-old space. So if there was a meaningful under-18s or under-20s and something like that, and that's your televised sport, that's your trial ground. Um, and you're a little bit older to manage the ego as well, a bit more of an adult. Yeah, exactly, mate. You know, and that's where... So what will happen is that they play their, their, their school football... And then they have to go to the club, obviously, and to get get play club football, and then get picked for the Auckland side, or as I say, counties, Canterbury, whatever, Waikato, Manawatu, doesn't matter who it is. And the, and then they get put on television, then, and then they get the exposure, and from there you get a breeding ground for the for the uh, Auckland NPC because you're getting them coming through, and then for the for the um, breeding ground for the Super 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 Fifteen as mm. well. It's just, it's, it's, you know, it's far better. And, and the, as I say, the school rugby, fine. You can play the school rugby, but you ain't going to be on television. Mm. Don't have a problem with it. You like it, Joey. Thanks for calling, bud. Cheers, mate. Cheers, buddy. Good call from Joey. Uh, reiterating some calls uh, from earlier on the show. So we're going to have a quick break for new sport and weather. Mikey, hang on there, buddy. Want to hear your views and anyone else. 0800 150 11 Midday Madness. This rugby on television situation for the schoolboys. Really interested in your thoughts. We'll pick it up after the news. Well, listen, Buster. You better start to move your feet to the rockin'est beat of madness. Straight back into the calls, uh, Mikey Christchurch. G'day, buddy. Good, g'day, Staffy. <clears throat> it's uh, I think I think what you're talking about is uh, speculation in rugby. They, they're so good in, in the days of this media saturation. They say so little, don't they? Mm. When it comes to this game, and that, I think that's the most amazing thing. I, w- I would say though that um, I think the most important thing here is the well-being of these kids. Now, if the if the Schools are saying this is what it's for, 
or haven't said, <laughs> um, I think we've got to take them at that because that's their number one priority is the well-being of these kids. Now, I've heard a lot of people saying, oh, everyone wants to be on TV. Well, no, they don't. Not every kid wants to be on TV. Not everyone wants to be a Carlos Spencer. Some just want to get their heads down and play some rugby. Um, and I think, you know, in this day and age where, you know, if you're 16 years old and you've got a massive game coming up, um, and then you make a mistake. And these kids will make mistakes because they're only at the start of their careers if they're going to have one. Um, and then you've got those trolls out there. I mean, it can actually turn a bit pear-shaped for them. So I've always been a bit uncomfortable about having the first 15 rugby on the channels, especially when you don't get any club, go- club rugby games. So I think the well-being of these kids has got to be the number one priority. And I think the pressure of being on TV, this is just my opinion, um, is a little bit too much. I'm I'm with you. Like I, I don't know if you watched the um, the Auckland Club Rugby Final was on TV. It was uh, before an Auckland NPC game, I think, and it was brilliant. And I'm just like, oh, I never realised club rugby because I, I don't go and watch club rugby, but it was brilliant. And uh, all yeah. these names I hadn't heard of, and it was fantastic. And I thought. Gee, I, I think that's a better product, and you could you could do it around the country, you know, um, do a different city each week and, and showcase the club rugby from all the centres. Um, but the pressure on these kids, I agree with you. I, you ask a 16-year-old, they say they can handle it. You ask them when they're 26, did you handle it when you were 16? They're probably going to say no. No, and you, th- you think back to, to our age and what we were like at that age, Oh my God, I, I wouldn't want that pressure. Mm. You want to ease into these things. And for the well, but if you want a very well rounded <laughs> player, you want those players eased in at school level. Seem, seemingly, they don't go to clubs anymore, but if they were, then into club, then into representative. And by the time you get to the real big stage, you've got a, you've got a few hard knocks behind you, but you've got a bit of experience. Mm. Um, hey, just one other thing quickly. Um, I've been <laughs> busy as this week, so I never got the chance to phone in this, um, earlier because um, I'm going away overseas. So uh, I just want to say big congratulations to Wellington. It hurts me, <laughs> but congrats to Wellington for a very well-deserved win over my Canterbury boys. So, And you yeah. know what? Um, there was no bleating from the Canterbury fans, uh, social media. I was expecting them to bag some referee decisions or, or anything like that. Nah. But this year, Canterbury fans were fantastic second-place getters, the fans. I think it was because great. That, because that's what, that's what we're like, Steffi, down here, I'll tell you. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I had a chuckle with your producer earlier because I've got a, uh, a photo I'm dying to send you of a golf trip we did a couple of years ago dressed up as TV characters mm-hmm. just in regards to your CB TV thing. Um, and he says, send it on Twitter or Instagram. I'm like, oh, I'm too old for that. I don't know anything about that sort of thing. He's like, <laughs> we'll print it off and put it in a letter. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know how I'll get it to you, but anywho, it's, it's a bit of a crack. So anyway, You're thanks, awesome. Daffy. Cheers, Mikey. Good stuff. <laughs> good, good stuff. Uh, let's now go to Parapara Umu. Talk to Zane. G'day, Zane. G'day, mate. So, yeah, I just want to reiterate, I think that's a um, good call from your earlier caller there about bringing it onto the um, the club under-18s or under-21s. Um, excellent way to get it back, you know, get people back into the clubs. But I'm going to take it from an, another perspective that um, if I was Auckland Rugby League and the Warriors, I'd be taking this as a great opportunity to get in there and start trying to create a televised um, young comp for high school age boys to get them out of rugby and into rugby league. <laughs> but is that ignoring the problem and shifting codes? 
Oh, mate, I don't, yeah, I've got to back my warriors somehow, mate. We've got to get some talent in there. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough. That's fair enough. So are you domiciled in Paraparaumu? Uh, yeah, I'm, well, actually, I'm, I'm actually to be, be specific, yeah, so just down the road from the, um, the Paraparaumu course there. Yeah, so the schoolboy rugby south of Auckland isn't going to be affected here, and I'm really interested. One of the spin-offs here could be, we will find out if these kids, their main driving force is to be on TV, not to represent the school. Um, does it make it more attractive for a promising 15-year-old to go to St. Pat's, to go to Palmy Boys, to go to Christ College, because they are going to get it on TV? I'll give you the perspective of a guy who I um, coach from a business business perspective now, who's a former New Zealand rep. Um, for him, the the big motivation was to get out of a really troubled school and got a full scholarship to go to, I think it was St. Kent's back in the day. So I still think from a parent's perspective, um, if you can get a scholarship to get your kids into the school, you're going to take that as a priority over getting on TV. So, you know, what is the true motivation? Is it, you know, the parents or the kids pushing them into these schools? Yeah, it, there's so many, oh, so many questions to be, and I hope they are answered. I hope, I hope we find out, um, and I'm sure there's good reasons behind it. But I'd like to know what they are, Zane. Um, enjoy we'll Romati. We'll never find out, mate. Oh, I know. Cheers, mate. Cheers, buddy. <laughs> Zane, Zane, out of Romati to be more particular. Sammy, you went to the US on a scholarship, on a sporting scholarship. Um, and I've always said American teenagers are a different animal to a New Zealand teenager and for whatever reason are probably better equipped to deal with this. What, what was your experience as a, as a promising young athlete in oh. New Zealand? You went over there for football. Um, I'm not, don't, don't pump up the tyres too no, much. Just, but you went there on a football scholarship. <laughs> yeah, on oh, no, a soccer football scholarship, yeah. yeah. Well, um, the, I think the key difference for Americans, because it is the obvious comparison, all their, all their college games and high school games are televised, they're big market products, um, you know, sell out stadiums, 100,000 people, etc. But I think, you know, the ethos for American kids, the whole American ethos is is all about college, right? So as a parent, you work to get money that you put into a college fund for your kid to then go to college, to then get a job that will then pay for their college. It's the cycle of college. They're obsessed with college, right? And one of the big, I guess, entry points for a lot of people into a college is sport. You get scholarships, you get financial aid, it looks good on your resume. So I said to you before the show started, you know, at my school in Boston, every single kid at, at my high school played sport. There wasn't it wasn't like in New Zealand where you have pockets of, you know, oh they're the sporty ones, they're the arty kids, they're the you know, science whatever. Ones, they're the, the science ones. Now that might have just been the school I was at because it was, you know, quite a elitist, I guess, school. But um their whole sport is a very, very big part of their lives and it influences their college decisions. They're not all superstars and they all get that. But, you know, like we had amazing facilities, we had big crowds, our games were televised, like YouTube and stuff, but it wasn't, there was no sense of this bravado that I think you see a lot with the First 15 guys. Because it's just the First 15 that get on TV. Correct. It's everyone in America, and they're all. No sport sits above any of the other sports. Football, American footballers do walk around a little bit because they're bigger guys, right? And they walk around a little bit more mantra. But like we had bigger crowds at our soccer games, and the girls um, field hockey. You know, had they had bigger crowds at the games because the school gets them behind. They just obsessed with it, right? But I think, yeah, I, I think they are more equipped because it's not. They're not obsessed with being professional. When you go to college, you get an education while playing your sport. That's the whole reason I did it, Steph. You know, I, I would have never made the Premier League or anything like that. But 
you know, for a footballer in New Zealand, you can go to England, you can go to an academy, you can train five days a week, um, be immersed in that culture, but you're not getting an education. And guess what? If it doesn't work, you've lost a lot of your life, you know, of good years when you're 16 to sort of 20 on on chasing that dream. Not saying don't do it, but the American road is you get to play your sport at a high level because people come from all over the world in high pressure environments with big crowds, all that sort of stuff, but you're studying and you get a degree. Because you can't you know? play if you're not passing your courses either. Correct. And mm. you think about, like, basketball's a really good example, right? Because not everyone makes the NBA. If you're a superstar basketball, and it's clear that you're destined for the NBA, and that's where you're going, you go to college, and if it's clear that you, that you can make it, you'll declare for the draft after your first year or your second year, right? And you know that that is your career path, and it's set in stone. It's great. Think about that middle tier where... You're sort of getting looked at, but you don't know whether the NBA is really going to happen for you. You go through the same path, you go to college, but you can go through college for four years. And after the second or third year, you might get picked up. But if you're at four years and you haven't been picked up and you've finished your four years, you've had a great basketball career, but you're not destined for the NBA, you've got a degree. And you go out and you get a job. Mm. And, and it's all tied in together. And sure, some of these athletes get easier courses at university or you know they don't quite load up their schedule like other people do, but... The fact still remains, Steph, that there's a balance there, which I think in, in televised first 15 rugby, one of the biggest issues when you talk to club rugby coaches, and so I'm just talking about the rugby here, not education, but club rugby coaches I've spoken to have said one of the biggest problems is kids come out of first 15 rugby, particularly at the big schools, into a club environment, and they're on the bench or they're in the reserves or they're playing you know, in the under-20 or whatever competitions they have, and their attitude is like, mate, do you, do you know who I am? I was I'm I was on, I was I was first fifteen, first five for Mags, and I was on TV every weekend. Like I'm, I don't just and then they leave. Steph, they go and play for another team, or they go play for money or whatever. And these club coaches are like, what these kids need to understand is that you're not a professional, you're not a superstar. There is a hierarchy, and a club rugby player can take three or four years to develop. You might make the Blues when you're 21 or when you're 24. You think about locks and props, Steph. They're not fully developed as human beings until they're 23, 24 in terms of height, size, muscle, etc. Mm. So why are we making calls on them when they're 18 on whether or not they should be on TV or whatever? You know, it's like I think it really does create this overemphasized sense of professionalism in mm. schoolboy rugby. We're talking about a school team here. And some of them are 15. Correct. Mm. You know, and it's like they should be focusing on their academics and sport should be a very – possible career path for them because I never like to shoot people's dreams down definitely a possible career path but balance is so important because I mean how many lives and parents out there might be able to um, relate to this how many kids have chased that dream a little bit too hard it hasn't worked out for them and they've been left in a position where you I'm, know I'm 21 hasn't happened hasn't happened Don't ha- I now have to go back to university when all my mates have already gone through it's going to cost more you know it, it's yeah it, it just um I'm a big fan of the balance. That's my personal opinion. Not everyone has to agree with it. And like you, Steph, I can see benefits the other side as well for why they would televise it. But mm. that's where I stand. One uh, one text for a quick break. Afternoon, Steph. A good watch for you on TVNZ Plus is the Texas Six. It's about students playing AFL in a small town, and it shows the pressure put on them and how much it means to them. Cheers, Keith. I'm going to note that down on my take-home bit of paper, Keith. Thank you. More texts after the break. Live from the SENZ studios in Auckland, 
This is the GWE Top of TV character Jamboree. Yes, it is. Oh, we, you know, got to squeeze this in, Steph, because I know. there's just so much going on. I know, there's a lot going on, so I'll crack in, Sammy. Where oh, are we at? Uh, okay, we'll make it nice and quick. Um, we are at our second day of the Sweet 16. Yes, we are. And we start with the Eastern Conference, people. You've got an hour to vote. Well, on the first got, matchup, you haven't got an hour. You've got 40 minutes. True. On the first matchup, which is the number seventh seed, Edmund Blackadder. Ethan Blackadder. Ethan Blackadder. V, the 22nd seed in the competition, Bart Simpson. Boo. Boo, did Homer didn't win yesterday, did he? No, it was a buzzer beater, wasn't it? It, it was, was a buzzer, buzzer beater. beater. So let's hope uh, Blackadder so doesn't. Blackadder or Bart, yep. vote number one. And then number two, which is the Western Conference matchup. Mark Stafford. David Brent, number 12, going up against Chandler Bing, 25. That is a matchup for the ages. David Friends Brent, v. The Office. The Office, David Brent, played by Ricky Gervais. Chandler Bing uh, from Friends. Uh, Matthew Perry. Matthew Perry. Yeah. Whew, 12 That's good. Through. So, text through. Blackadder or Bart? Brent or Bing. Brent or Bing. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 boy. Uh, looking forward to this, and we'll have the uh, other playoff at about 1.30. So 40 minutes. So text those through, double eight, double three. It's the Temper Bed Post text, text machine, which also doubles for the voting machine for the GUE Top of TV character Jamboree. Got some awesome texts. I'll get to those after a break and before the news. I uh, got a text that came in uh, just before midday, but it was probably while I was talking to Ricardo, and it says, Hey there, I'm trying to address what I think is the overwhelming elephant in the room. The current systems in place for rugby in New Zealand seem wildly convoluted. Uh, listening to every expert talk on your shows today, it seems to have added more and more to a murky grey blur. It seems at least on the face of it, containing the experts, uh, confusing the experts to someone like me as a casual listener, completely unfathomable. Uh, To me, the only model we should be trying to emulate is the simplest. School, club, province, international. The unnecessary complications that affect all levels of all sports are what hurt them the most. Good text. Good text. Um, if we want a draft system for Super Rugby, then wouldn't televising schoolboy rugby be a good indicator? We could see certain players, the scouts can scout properly, and I think if it was done well and properly, then it would create more fan engagement, which is what we are crying out for. I'm with you, Staffy. I just want clarity. I want clarity too, Mark. Um, I did like the call we had earlier about... Um, Make club rugby the televised jewel in the crown and make that the attainable jewel for the school kids that if you do really, really well at school, then the clubs can scout the schools because you don't have to watch it on TV to scout. The NRL teams have scouts all through New Zealand that go personally to these rugby teams, uh, rugby games. Um, Does anyone know when they announced the side for the All Blacks game in Japan? I think, we're trying to find out, I think it's probably about 6 o'clock tonight. It's usually forty-eight hours before kickoff, from memory. But um, if it does, if it is announced during our show, we will certainly bring it to you. Staffy, did the New Zealand umpires do the Aussie England netball game? Yes. If so, who can't um, can't tell you who? And was there a difference in the style of the game? There was. They let a lot more go. New Zealand umpires. They do let a lot more contact go. Um, what a game it was, though. Jeepers. Uh, Staff, the issue with schoolboy rugby appears to be the social media abuse that goes on during and after the games against the players. I really don't understand why someone will not come onto the show to discuss it. Paul, same here. 
We'll keep trying. Uh, you have to wonder what is prompting the NZRU to now want the control of the competitions. I can't help but think how much uh, they have promised to Silver Lake. Interesting take there too. Um, uh, if they see this as having a detrimental effect on these young adolescents' mental state, then they have a duty of care to deal with it. If they are using player welfare as an excuse to get a greater share of the dollars, then they need a tune-up. Another good text. Great texts. Uh, and lots of votes coming in for the GWE. TV character Jamboree. Keep those texts coming in. Text in Blackadder or Bart. First matchup. And Brent or Bing, David Brent, The Office, or Chandler Bing, Friends, News Time. Welcome back in. Very shortly, Tony Johnson will be joining us. A text has just come in saying, uh, why don't the Women's Rugby World Cup put the Black Ferns match at 4.30? It would be finished before the All Blacks start. Easy change, all at the same ground. Reason is that I'm pretty sure it was May that the kickoff time for the Rugby World Cup quarters were decided and put into place. Um, and the Black Ferns were always going to be playing in that time slot, regardless of where they qualified. Uh, and then the Japanese kickoff time was decided two months after that. So that's the one that should have been discussed. And it was overlooked, it was an oversight. And New Zealand Rugby have said that it was an oversight, an unfortunate oversight. Um, so that, I hope that sort of answers you there. Um, I don't think the Women's Rugby World Cup should be moved um, to accommodate a date that was decided after this. But anyway, we've got a lot of things on the rugby table. Uh, great first hour. Thank you for your uh, contributions, your texts, your phone calls about this 1A rugby up in Auckland uh, refusing to have uh, broadcasts now. Uh, a man, he's got considered opinions. He's been around the game for a long, long time. We welcome him into the show every Thursday. TJ, Tony Johnson, welcome in. Hey, Staffy. Boy, there's a lot to talk about with not much rugby being... Can we talk rugby first? Can we talk about that Wellington-Canterbury final? We haven't spoken to you since then. It was a great finale for, for a good comp. It was, and we got the best two teams, and we got the best winner in the end. Wellington were fantastic, and I've got to say, inspirational leadership by Duplessis Kitifi. He was the guy that I think made the first really big move in the game. He made a great break, and he kind of set the tone for his team, but just the relentless uh, physicality, the intensity of the attack, the way they carried the ball, the way they contested everything. They really took the game, you know, even set-piece. Um, big statement in the second half when, the, you know, they got a, a massive scrum, which is always, of course, Canterbury's uh, go-to um, default-setting weapon in situations like that. So, no, I, look, great, congratulations. And, and perhaps the one guy who, who just has quietly gone about his work and is just quietly slipping away but deserves a lot more credit than he's probably given as Leo Crowley because, as I've said to you a couple of times, that, that's, a, that's a great balanced team, uh, that Wellington side. They've got you know, the right amount of experience, the right amount of physicality, the right amount of guile, um, the, the right amount of you know, bright young things coming through. They've thrown up some stupendous talents. And I don't think anyone 
even the hardiest, crustiest Canterbury fan, I don't think anyone would really begrudge them uh, that victory, that they were deserving winners and a notable year to what was the Ranfurly Shield already having been won. Yeah, interesting what you say there, because I pick up on a point was uh, the good mixture um, experience in youth. Last week we had Ruben Love on the show. This week we had Julian Savier on the show singing from the same song sheet. Like Ruben Love saying how valuable... Uh, having the experience of the likes of Julian, like TJ Piranara, etc., etc., and then Julian saying how important the youth um, were, their leadership group really embraced them. It was a beautifully orchestrated campaign, and Leo Crowley, Tamadi Allison, Paul Tito, they must have sat back and go, we done good. Yeah, yeah, and they deserved it to have that um and it's yeah, you know, Leo's moving on now, and but I'm sure they've got a good succession plan in place for that Wellington side because the future's exciting when you look at the calibre and the age of some of those people. Mm. Peter Luck, I think, 19 years of age. I mean, even Reuben Love, um, he, he's still a very young man. Um, so, yeah, I, I thought it was a it was a, a nice end. Well, you know, when you line it up with uh, you know the Heartland games as well. Um, it was it was uh, it's a great weekend that was the finals weekend and, and this year was no different. One A rugby no longer on TV up in Auckland. Um, my understanding is it's going to carry on around the rest of the country. Um, the observation slash mm, criticism maybe again we're not. I don't feel like we've been told the full story, TJ. No, I wonder. There's a bit of a power play going on here at the moment between New Zealand rugby and the secondary schools. Um, I, you know. Part of me agrees that I think that there has been an over-glamorisation of the first 15 competition. Now, um, Martin Crow, I think, had a real vision for it. And he was the guy that really uh, introduced the, the widespread coverage of college rugby to Sky. And he did a fantastic job of it because it is great entertainment. Uh, you're seeing the future stars right now. Uh, there's the heritage of well, I mean, as well, you know, the when they line up for the, you know, things like the, the, the Grammar Teams game or the Paulson Banner game, it, it, it really is a great occasion. But somehow or other, I think it's been over-glamorised and, you know, the whole thing about, you know, uh, uh, Kieran Reid said something about it with, with an interview that I did. Uh, it was one of those lockdown interviews. He said, you know, what's this, you know, kids going to train at 7.30 in the morning? What's that all about? That the first 15 has become, I think, all-encompassing and I think... I think there's a, a, a you know a couple of downsides to it. One is that you've got players who are being treated as superstars before they've even played a game of um, first-class rugby, and and I, I think guys you know in, in key positions coming out of schools rugby without actually the requisite skill sets to fulfil those positions at a higher level. There's also the tendency for the first 15 to take all of the attention at the school, and and everyone else just falls into line. And you get a lot of kids dropping out of the game because they don't make the first 15. That's anecdotal. I've just, just heard that from people. Mm, so mm. I, I think it's a very complex issue. I don't disagree with the idea of perhaps just diluting this whole um, fanfare around it a bit by taking it off television. But I, I, I totally agree that I, I, I think there's more to it than we're being told. And I think some of these uh, principles that are um, flexing their muscles or making these decisions, I think they also need to have a look at what's going on in their own schools and ask themselves, are we doing enough to support 
the kids who want to play rugby who aren't in the first 15. Yeah, really good points, TJ. Thank you. Um, the other points that people are talking about is the scheduling issue, Black Ferns playing um, at the same time as the All Blacks, and Rugby Union have sort of come out and said our fault was an oversight, uh, but, you know, you can watch them both. You can watch one on delay. It shouldn't have happened, though, should it? No, it shouldn't, um, but it's it's not really, and I think it's a bit unfair to blame them entirely. I mean, first of all, the game in Japan, it's Japan Rugby Union sets the start time. Mm. And I, I understand, and there's a bit of talk going around about this at the moment, that that schedule may have been done because there is the potential for there to be a, 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 a deciding game in Japan's um, baseball league that same afternoon. Right. Um, baseball is the biggest game in Japan, and that, that there was some talk that they wanted to avoid a clash. That um, that, that that was why that game was scheduled for that time. Um, you know, looking into the future, I still think someone at New Zealand Rugby uh, should have seen this earlier than they did. Clearly, um, that they have made an effort to go back to Japan and say, "Can you move it?" And and that hasn't happened. Probably too late in the piece. But also, you know, that the, the women's game, World Rugby sets the schedule for that. Uh, so, so these are these are start times. Um, that first the world, the world rugby thing. New Zealand wouldn't have had any influence over that whatsoever. No. Uh, world rugby would have chosen the start time. Uh, it happened. Remember, we had late kickoffs. Well, I think we had something like. Would we have nine o'clock kickoffs in 2011? Yes. Um, you know, and that was because of world rugby. And I think uh, you know, going to Japan and saying, "Can you move this?" And they're going, oh, "Well, no, it's 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 set in stone. We don't want it to clash with something else." Uh, there's a little bit of sympathy for New Zealand rugby, but uh, by the same token, it just adds to a, a sort of slightly shambolic feel about this whole sort of end of end of two, year two scenario with the All Blacks and the All Blacks 15. It brings me back to the point about the communication with New Zealand rugby could be. There's just some fundamental errors now. That if that baseball thing is true, if they they came out yesterday and they said we asked Japan if we could move the kickoff time to accommodate not having that clash, and they can't for reasons that they told us. But they didn't tell us those reasons. Now, if they had a said they've got a massive baseball final and they can't move it because that's the reason, um, I'd, I'd be cool with that. Yeah. Well, the whole baseball thing is just it's a speculation that apparently he's just doing the rounds on social media at the moment. So I don't know whether it's true or not. But but whatever uh, yeah. the reason is, Japan gave them a reason and they didn't tell us what the reason. We're not going to hang draw yeah. and quarter them. But if it's legitimate, it's legitimate. Yeah, yeah, and uh, look, I, I I think that's right. I mean, you know, um, Steve Chu. One thing about him, where you know, he didn't, he, he wasn't universally popular, but there was always a great deal of clarity about why decisions had been made, and I think that's something that New Zealand rugby is still is still struggling with at the moment. Mm. Gosh, um, let's look more favourably on the Women's Rugby World Cup, though. Um, made the quarterfinals, tick. Um, all of the best teams uh, in the quarterfinals, tick. Um, I think all four games are reasonably one-sided, and I think we can predict it, but we're getting towards the pointy end, and we're starting to see teams name their top 15s as well. It's, it's game on from this weekend. Yeah, it is, and of course, you know, all eyes, I suppose, from a, from a New Zealand perspective, uh, on the New Zealand Wales game, and and I think this will be a really good gauge of the progress that this New Zealand team has made in certain areas of their game. We always knew that they were going to be 
a team that played with flair and really positive intent, which is great to see because, as we all know, there's far too much uh, negative rugby uh, being played around the world and you know, to try and win trophies. And it gets you know, particularly bad in knockout scenarios. Um, and, and so, you know, you've got to applaud them for that. But uh, you remember back to the pool game against Wales, although they won it comfortably in the end for a long time, it was very uncomfortable, particularly at the set piece. And I think this will be a real test of how far the team has come in that regard. And you'll be looking for a positive answer to that. And if they can come up with the good, you know, they, you'd have to be confident that they will beat Wales again. And if their set pieces improve, well, that'll set them up nicely what could be a very tough semi-final. Obviously, from what we've seen, uh, England still very much the team to beat. Uh, they had to work very hard against France, um, and France, if New Zealand ended up playing them uh, in a week's time, well, you know, they'll be tough as well. But it's, it's an intriguing scenario. You do get the feeling it's come down to a battle between three teams. But anyone takes their eye off the ball at this stage of the competition, we've seen in the past what can happen. We can. Um, talking to Tony Johnson out of Sky Sport. Finally, Tony, the All Blacks are going to name their team some stage this afternoon, I think. What are you expecting? A sprinkling of uh, first liners and second liners? All first liners, all second liners? What do you think the the right thing or well, what do you think they'll do? It's been compromised a bit, hasn't it, by there's been a few withdrawals, uh, injuries, uh, you know, Sam Whitelock um, not being there or not being able to play in, in this particular game. The only thing I'd say is they need to be wary. If I know the last time they went up there um, and, and played, this is not the World Cup, but the time before they played two games in consecutive weeks. Uh, they focused on the Bledisloe Cup first and foremost. They beat Australia and then they put out a reduced team, uh, very much a, a, a a developmental sort of team in the second match against Japan and still won that very comfortably as well. Uh, but even so, you just get the feeling that Jamie Joseph you know, might have targeted this game, that you know, if they're ever going to catch the All Blacks off guard, this might be a very good time to try and do it. Uh, they've done it in the past. I mean, you know, they have pulled off you know, individually from time to time some incredibly notable results. So... I think the All Blacks can't be thinking too much uh, beyond this weekend. Uh, they'll have a plan, no doubt, for, for taking on Wales, Scotland, England. But they've got to they've got to make sure that they see off this um, Japan team. Um, I, I think you'll probably see a start for uh, Roger Tuivasa Shek. Um, you, you possibly might see Stephen Perofeta playing in number ten as well. Uh, but they don't want to get too experimental. I, I think they, st- they still want to get the tour off to a good positive start. Yep, I do too. Looking forward to both matches, actually, on Saturday. Um, TJ, always yeah, well, enjoy... Yeah, carry yeah, on. I, I was going to say, I, I'm actually... Uh, my, my thing is, I, I'm, I'm, my hands are tied. I'll, I'll be calling the Japan test, um, and then I'll probably get home in time to watch the uh, delayed coverage on uh, um, on Spa. Uh, sorry, on TV. Was it TV3, isn't it? Yeah. So, Perfect result no, it, for it, you. It's, like, it, it's, it's not impossible to be able to enjoy both of those games back-to-back. Back. You'd think so from some of the comments. And yes, it is a very, very messy situation that should not have arisen, but it has. It's not entirely New Zealand rugby's fault. Mm. It's something that you'd like to think they could have done better. But at the moment, uh, you know, it's, there's a little bit of politics in, amongst some of the coverage and a lot of it 
is to is just down to uh, another opportunity to fire bullets at New Zealand rugby. I suffer this every weekend in the, in the winter, TJ, because the Warriors are always playing the same time as the Hurricanes. So I can't watch both then yeah, either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And as I say... Um, Japan wouldn't have been thinking about the Women's World Cup no. when, when they set the start time, and World Rugby certainly wouldn't have been thinking about the All Blacks game. And New Zealand Rugby perhaps have been sort of caught in the middle of it, caught in the crossfire of it. I agree that you'd, you'd think that they could have done more, that someone sort of sh- should have seen this earlier. Uh, but it is what it is, as I say, and it's not impossible to watch, watch them both, uh, you know, back to back. Perfect. Great stuff, TJ. Enjoy this weekend. Looking forward to your call. All right, mate. Cheers, buddy. Tony Johnson out of Sky Sport. Uh, A couple of quick text messages have come in since our chat. I hope these so-called top schools pay their teachers the same wage as their first 15 coach. A high school prepares teens for the real world. Um, Don't care about rugby, question mark. You're still a pup at 18 compared to a 21-year-old man who's been working for three years. Didn't Ireland win the Colts World Cup about five to six years ago? Have a look at them and then have a look at us. We're all grey pathways to the All Blacks. Five super rugby teams, 75 starting players, 45 All Blacks per year, um, 60% chance of getting a cap. New Zealand rugby... Oh, I have to go into the bigger one now because it's, it's run out on my New Zealand rugby. Oh, may have it wrong. Oh, have it way wrong. New Zealand rugby have it way wrong. Thank you, Jimmy. Um, Holla champions. I have a nomination for the most glorious sentence for your year in review. <laughs> Do you, don't read it? Okay, I won't read it. <laughs> um Staffy, I sponsor an Auckland A1 team. I won't say who, but this decision is disappointing. But talking to the principal, I'm not sure if it will last more than a season. Um, yeah, I've also heard from someone, Texter, who you've said, don't mention your name, I won't, that there is rumours at foot that there's going to be like a rebel first 15 competition set up with these 1A schools that are just going to depart for a year and come back. Uh, I don't know what form it will take, but that's an interesting conversation piece too, isn't it? Um, Staffy, 100% agree, re New Zealand rugby talking to us and telling us the truth. Most of us are adults and can handle the truth, except perhaps Jeremy Paul. <laughs> also, please, just talk to us. Just talk to us. Like you said, Japanese rugby has given them a reason. So tell us, and the story dies. Have NZRU not learned any lessons in the last 18 months? Cheers, Craig. Lessons, not learnings. I'm with you. Just ta- Japan gave them a reason, and New Zealand rugby said, oh, okay. But then New Zealand rugby said, oh, they've given us a reason, and we accept this. Accept it. We'd accept it too. If it, if it is the baseball, if it's the final of the baseball, it's a massive sport in Japan. That's our final. We're sorry, guys. We can't move it. Um, and New Zealand rugby could parry back and say, what about the next day then? Or later or earlier or is it, and if it's not movable just tell us we really really tried we cocked that up we're really sorry I think we'd swallow that they've still made a mistake and uh, yeah just tell us man tell us be our friend we'll be back after this with I think the best greyhound tipster in the country write down some t- I'm going to hit him some tips for tonight's races at Addington he's a guru he's Peter Fenimore he's after the break 
Our Greyhound Racing New Zealand segment this week's uh, one I'm very much looking forward to. We are talking to Peter Fenimore, who's got a greyhound brain. I almost think one of his parents may have been a greyhound. He's just been involved for so long. Peter, how long have you been involved in greyhounds? Oh, I guess around about 45 years now uh, there, Steffi. Wow. And like you've, you've written about them, you've owned them. I, and ownership-wise, you were involved in the ownership of Swift Fantasy quite a few years ago. Um, what's it like owning one of the best dogs in the country? Okay, just a point on that one there, uh, Steffi. Uh, I actually got involved with Swift Fantasy when she retired from racing, uh, just purely from, uh, purely from a breeding uh, perspective. Um, and unfortunately, she didn't really do, uh, uh, leave too many good ones. But um, no, it was just it was it was marvelous just watching uh, her uh, racing career and uh, the job that Steve Clark did uh, was absolutely brilliant. You're known to me as a really good form analyst. How how do you go about it uh, without giving away your trade secrets? But how many times would you watch a race like a heat or something like that to, to figure out what's going to happen in the next race? Well, I'm a bit of an addict there, uh, Steffi. Mm-hmm. I, I generally watch uh, most races. Um, I mean, something that catches my eyes, uh, obviously with the replays available through the internet, etc. You know, I go back and check out on, on a few of those things. And, of course, uh, one of the big reasons we're bringing you on, we're not far away from uh, the Group 1 $100,000 Greyhound race for the New Zealand Cup. Um, tomorrow night, or is it tonight? Actually, it's tonight. There's six heats for the New Zealand Cup. Yeah, that's right, Steph. The uh, six uh, absolutely fascinating heats uh, down there at Addington uh, over the 520-metre trip. And, of course, the action uh, continues tomorrow where they had 10 heats for the Group 1 Galaxy Sprint. So, yeah, tonight and uh, tomorrow afternoon is just top-class, top, uh, top class, high-class racing. Yeah, the best the best in the country all gathered down there in Addington. Can we, can we prize out maybe a couple of value ones that might be going in the heats um, tonight at Addington? Yeah, uh, as I said, they're very competitive. Um, I'm, uh, okay, uh, race four, heat one, uh, six, uh, Gatan for Dave and June Fay. Look, uh, they've trained nine New Zealand Cup winners, uh, training machines. Um, the dog is absolutely brilliant, but it does have its issues. I dare say that Dave and Jean have this greyhound uh, fully focused uh, for tonight. Really looking forward to, uh, to watching the third heat, uh, race six on, on the card there. It features the crash of uh, Federal uh, Infrared, uh, the four greyhound uh, from the lesser coal kennels. Um, she is just absolutely brilliant. Uh, she was magnificent. So one of the Man or Two Cup a uh, couple of races ago. Um, her clash with a Northern trained greyhound, uh, Tracy and uh, Lisa Craig, sending down George's girl. Now, she's never been on Addington, but uh, uh, she has been winning them um, in a row at Cambridge. Um, that's going to be a fascinating uh, clash. Um, a bit of value might be found in the fourth heat there, race seven, uh, Charlotte Lou. Uh, Jack Hart, who, uh, his team is absolutely flying at the moment, has some wonderful, wonderful greyhounds. Of course, Charlotte Lou won the New Zealand Oaks at Addington um, last season. She'll be jumping from the four trap. And it's great to see uh, Craig Roberts returning uh, Talbingo Bald uh, to the track. Um, he lines up in the last heat, uh, race nine on the card. He's drawn the one trap. Uh, he'll be as short as anything, but uh, this greyhound, he simply flies around the track. 
you know, I just wanted to mention, going back to George's girl, first time at Addington, um, and something in the back of my head tells me, first time at a track, they can sometimes get a little bit lost. Is, is, that, is that fair to say? Yes, that's absolutely correct. And Addington is one of the harder tracks uh, to run up a uh, first up on. Um, being a two-turn track, all well, the majority of uh, two-turn tracks uh, have an outside fence. Addington doesn't, and it's a wide-open expanse. So, yes, uh, you do find a few greyhounds uh, first up down there. They tend to get a little bit lost. Um, but we're talking higher-class greyhounds uh, tonight, so I think the class uh, would carry them through. How big and how important for greyhound racing is um, that cup week down in Christchurch? Oh, it's massive, Steffi. It's absolutely massive. It's brilliant. Uh, the concept, the Cup Week in Christchurch, all three codes, running the New Zealand Cup. And, of course, the Thursday night is the uh, the Greyhound action. It's New Zealand's richest Greyhound uh, meeting. Um, there'll be three Group 1 races uh, held on Cup night, the Cup, the Galaxy, and, of course, the New Zealand Stars Cup, which uh, we expect uh, no keeper uh, to be racing on. Um, it's a huge night of racing, and uh, it's the richest Greyhound meeting meeting uh, of the year. Perfect, perfect. Oh, well, I'm going to get my gold coins out and have a few each ways and race four, six, seven, and nine. Um, but I promise I won't ring you back if they don't do any good. It just uh, heightens my <laughs> excitement to have a little bit of an investment and, uh, as you say, high-quality dogs tonight in Addington. Pete, I really appreciate your time today. Enjoy the next few weeks. Cheers, Daffy. Uh, thanks very much for that. Our roving reporter, Ken, uh, the mighty Auckland man, has texted in and advised me the All Blacks team will be named at 3.30. So we will bring it to you at 3.32, straight after the new sport and weather. We have to interrupt the Phoenix show. Oh, we won't bring it to you at 3.32. It'll be in the four o'clock news. It'll be in the 4 o'clock news, though. Phoenix show is on, uh, of course, between 3 and 4. Brought to you by Oppo. Um, no calls? No no pops? No pops. No pops. No pops. Um, I, I did have a multi-bet last night. I have to tell you about Sam. Oh, okay, go on then. I was very excited. England were two down. Yes. I logged on to find out how much Ireland were paying. Four seventy-five. I thought, I'll take that. I thought, I'm going to chuck it in a multi and so I took it in the multi, which I thought was the best power play in the New Zealand game, which was both Afghanistan openers to go out for less than 20, uh, paying three bucks, which I thought was pretty damn good. And as the and so Ireland got up, Duckworth Lewis stopped running, looked like New Zealand were going to play, and then the game was going to be shorter and shorter. And sh- I thought, this is great, because the openers are going to swing for the fences and go out. Mm-hmm. Never bowled a ball, but I got my 475. Yeah, well, those were great tips, I reckon. Well, did you take the multi that Pete... Peter threw out there in that uh, in your little chat. Going the to Greyhound chat, you're going to? Yep. Yeah. I've actually done it I've lined it up myself. It pays about sixteen and a half bucks. But not but that was you know, you gotta be quick now because they're probably plummeting <laughs> no, after probably. the interview after the end of the interview. Like, like TAB days. Yeah. Massively respected tipster, Pete Fenimore. Yeah, right. Great Greyhound man, wonderful owner, journalist, tipster, form analyst, the whole lot.
He was on the he was on the white list. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, he's on the orange list. What um we're not going to do what's making news today because we're absolutely jam packed. We will get to the um top of TV character jamboree, but just two quick stories that I'll run past you, Steph. The first one Kez just told me about before. Apparently, Barack Obama is uh, making a pitch to buy the Phoenix Suns. Is he? Or maybe is he part of like an ownership group? Is he Kez? Kez is our NBA. Um, expert? Yeah, so it's it's still very early. So it was like when Elon Musk was going to buy Chelsea. You know, sure. it was just, it's, it's all speculation right now. Obviously, Barack hasn't spoken out about being interested in the Suns. I thought it was weird because he's a Chicago Bulls boy, Chicago <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, he's a big Chicago fan. Um, so it, the reports were from Bill Simmons and Charles Barkley as well. Steph, one of your favourites. Obviously, Charles, Charles played played uh, for the Suns. He was an all-star there, if I'm not wrong. I think he was. Yep. Probably was, Charles Barkley. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Barack Obama, um, there's an ownership team looking to buy the Phoenix Suns, and Barack Obama is apparently uh, the front runner. Well, he used to, part of his sort of daily routine was he'd play basketball, wouldn't he, with he his like security guards and his mates and stuff. Yeah, he had is, a half court at the White House. Yeah. I'll tell you what, he can actually ball. Oh, he can. He can. Like, of course he's he can. got a good fadeaway. he's tall as well. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. Oh, he play, did he play in, I'm pretty sure he played in college. Yeah, or, yeah. yeah he, he's, he's a good guard. Good, he's got good basketball pedigree. The other story I was going to tell you about, Stafford, actually I told you about last night, and I just wanted to get an on-air response from you just so I can gauge how impressive it is, but uh, Phil Kessel who uh, plays in the NHL, uh, racked up 990 consecutive games when he skated out for the Pittsburgh Penguins yesterday. 990 consecutive ice hockey games. Come back to me when it's 1,000. There's a story. Well, he's not far off. But does that not blow? Like, 990 games. Consecutive. That is, if you play an 82-game season, which they do, and of course there's playoffs, but let's just take the 82-game season. It's over, over 10 years without missing a single game. A single game. Is he a starter? He's a starter. He was a star- He started with the Boston Bruins. Went to the Toronto Maple Leafs. He, he's a he is a legend in the NHL. He's old now. He's like thirty four, um, and he just sort of goes to whatever team will pay his salary. But he's got all these funny stories about him. Like he would he no one in his team ever saw him drink water once. It was either blue Powerade or Coca Cola at halftime. Coca Cola in between periods, and he was notorious for eating hot dogs. Like. He'd eat a hot dog before the game. He'd eat a hot dog after the game. When they're at the gym and they go for lunch, there's hot dogs. Like he, he's a big lad. Like he's not athletic. Wow. <laughs> and he, he's like the um, who's the uh, the West Indies cricketer, the big one who hits all the sixes. Oh yes, um, Rakeem Cornwall. Yes, Cornwall. Yeah, yeah. He's like him basically. You know, I know someone that's never had a drink of water in his life. Whoa, my father. Really, never drinks water. I don't believe it. Cup of tea? Never, well, that. Cup of well, tea? Okay, gin and tonic? Beer? Never, fruit juice? Never in his life. Not even as a kid. And I'm sorry, Bruce, if you're listening. Virginia, don't tell him if I'm telling this and you're listening. Um, uh, Dad, why don't you drink water? Because it sloshes, it sloshes around in my guts and it makes me feel yuck. And I said, but it's just water. It's got no acidity, no alkalinity, no flavour, no sugar, no nothing. No, no, it just sloshes in my guts. I don't like I've it. I've never heard that before. I've heard of people not drinking alcohol. I've heard of people, I've got a mate who's never eaten a McDonald's ever in his life, but water. And I've never watched The Simpsons. Yeah, yeah they, they, but water. I know. I mean, it's like, what are your two pillars to life? Water and sleep. Food and water <laughs> and sleep. Let's throw a third one in there. Water and sleep, though. Mm. Just before we leave the rugby chat, there's a couple of good texts I wanted to get to. Go on. And a very short story. You guys are so right. I play premier club rugby, and we see these young guys come through from school and want to be in the starting side playing because they have played on TV. And then they pack a huff and leave. Because at club rugby, you earn your stripes with the club, not what you did beforehand. 
there's someone that plays Premier Rugby in Auckland. Um, the story I had, I was, I knew a Wellington player very well, still do, um, and he was a senior Wellington player. And one of these kids, school, a school star back, got signed to the Wellington Lions. Turned up for the first training and had the big swagger on, the big swagger around the dressing room, and. This guy, this um, super rugby player who'd been playing professionally for 10 years, grabbed him by the collar and put him up against the wall and said, I can't use the language, enter expletives at your will. Uh, Who do you think you are? You ain't done nothing yet. Uh, You start again. You're in kindergarten here. Get her over in the corner. Sit down. Shut up. Listen. And this would have been 10 years ago, 10 years ago. And that superstar rugby player is still playing in New Zealand but got served a lesson. Three years later, this young player contacted the veteran player and said, thanks for that. I was way ahead of myself. I thought I was the man and you made me realise I was a boy. So that's just a little snapshot. Another one. Have I got time? Not really. I'll keep coming. I'll come back to the text messages because is it time for the big V, Sammy? Is it? It is. It's on the script. Yeah, why not? Live from the SENZ studios in Auckland. This is the GWE Top of TV character Chamboree. Righto, Sammy. Hit me. The big vote. Uh, well, we've got some results, Steph, from our first matchup uh, of day two, the Sweet 16. Edmund Blackadder going up against Bart Simpson in the Eastern Conference. Captain K is down on the sideline. Captain. Guys, thanks so much for having me back of day three of the elusive Big GWE tournament. Boys, oh, look, I'll tell you what, I look forward to this every day, but what I don't look forward to <laughs> is the absolute uh, nail-biting uh, scenario that I have going on here, trying to add up all of our totals. So, Maths is a, is a hard subject for people that are you know, used to talking into a microphone. Boys, look, I'm going to tell you what. Bart Blackadder, it, it was a classic, uh, like we saw yesterday. Not as bad, but I can inform you, Bart Simpson will be joining Homer as eliminated, Blackadder has won with 55% Blackadder Steph, takes it. Steph nearly had a heart attack. That's sport for you, Steph. That's sport, mate. That was hot. Jeebus. Okay, and then we go to the uh, West, Western Conference, and you'll be sweating about this one, Mark. It is David Brent, the 12th seed, going up against Chandler Bing. Chandler. Ah. What was that chick's name? Um, his... Oh, Janice. 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 Yeah. Uh, Channel being the 25th seed. Kieran, what do we have? Look, uh, I was. Th- this was the game that I was actually at today. Uh, sure. I saw Sell Michael out. Scott sitting courtside with a with a Chandler Bing and Joey Tribbiani t-shirt on. Oh, so I okay. think uh, we knew blood. which side he was going for. Bad blood. But uh, it was his rival, David Brent, who has taken it out with Come 60% on. of the vote. He's flying through. David through Brent. to the eight. So Edmund Black out of David Brent through to the eight, which brings us to our final matchup of the Sweet 16. Two more positions. For the Elite Eight in the Eastern Conference, we've got Kramer, the number five seed, against Mr. T, the number nine. And in the West, we've got Billy T. James, or Billy T, number six, going up against Magnum from Magnum PI, the number 10 seed. Steph, Kramer v. Mr. T, Billy T v. Magnum. 
Jeez. This is a sweet 16. Oh, it really is. Really, really is. Yeah, really is. Um, fantastic. So get those votes in, double eight, double three. So we've got Kramer, Mr. T, Billy T, Magnum can't really shorten those any more than they already are. So there you go. No, you cannot. Um, stick around. Uh, we'll do the vault after two today, I think, Sam. I think we'll do okay. the vault after two. We've got a gap there uh, because we just haven't got long enough now. So we'll, we'll take a break. Got some really good text messages to get through. Stick around. We'll be back. Yes, 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 yes. Afternoons with Staffy in association with Gold Fueling Your Mission. All year round, gold.nz, go and register there. Sammy, I think now's a good time to put your tips to hat on. Please. It's Harness Racing New Zealand, pacing for purpose, season two. Did we win last week? Yes. Uh, Harness or dogs? One of them. Okay, I've got... um, a harness tip for you first then. Go on. We're going to the great uh, metropolis of Methven tomorrow. Methven tomorrow? Yeah. You're telling me it's Methven tomorrow? That's exactly what I'm telling you, Staff. I'm what do you know you, about Methven? I know that something good's happening in race four. I'll tell you that much. Hang on, hang on, hang on. It's a big grass track, big roomy what track. What is Methven famous for, by the way? The Blue Pub. There and, you go. And being the hub to um, the ski fields. Up at, up at uh, Mount Aurangi. Oh, okay. It's the Mount hub. Cook. Yeah, it's sort of like the Roma, uh, the um, Awakuni. Awakuni. I was going to say Roma. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was going to say Radahi. But Awakuni. Okay, so I'm going to Harness and I'm going tomorrow and I'm going to Methven and I'm going to what race number? Race four. Race four at 4.26. Okay, let's have a little bow. Peepy likes trainer drivers. First thing I look for are the Williamsons or the Butts. There's no no trainer driver. Okay. Then you go for horses with good form. So you are going for, gosh, it's a 12-horse field. Sam, mm. I'm going to say you're going for number 12. That's incorrect, Steph. I've gone a little bit different this week. I've gone for who I think is the best driver in that race. Oh, okay. Let me have a look at the drivers then. Yeah. Uh, it's a junior drivers race, which obviously you knew. Of course. Oh, geez. Uh, ben Hope's a good driver. In fact, they're all good drivers. Crystal Hack, Kieran Tomlinson, great driver. Carter Dalgetty, got the breeding. Gee, I don't know. Where have you gone? Sarah O'Reilly. Sarah O'Reilly? Yep. Right here in the cart? Tricky draw, but best. I think she's the best driver in the race. Do you? Uh, 100%. And so, uh, Wondon Hurricane. Wonden Hurricane. Or is it One Dane Hurricane? Um, number 10. So race four, number 10, Steph. What can you tell me? I can tell you it's Oneedon Hurricane. <coughs> Works for me. <laughs> um, look, 41 starts, two wins, 15 placings though. Mm, but this, okay. is a, this is a win bet. It's a win bet. Uh, never raced at the track. Four starts at the distance for three placings. Um, it's had a workout ahead of this awkward draw. But the draw's not as important at Methven because, as I say, big roomy straight, big long straight. I'd say it's got claims in this race. Well, you know how I work, Steph. Um, just numbers, 42, 42 races, you said? Yeah. Yeah, what's, what's two times four? Eight. Divided by the four? Two. Divided by the two? One. What two numbers go into two? One. First. Money for jam. Do you want me to give you a greyhound? Yes. It's the Great Greyhound Racing New Zealand Charity Run. 
I'm going to give you a quick one, Steph, because this Greyhound's going to be very, very fast. We're going to Cambridge to today. In fact, it's probably already run, knowing my uh, my judge of timing in all of this. Race 7, number 7, rocked it. Race 7, number 7, it has raced and it won. Go! Three dollars ten. Um, text came in here. This is on the college sport thing. Um, Staff, I agree with the Auckland principals stopping the um, stopping the broadcast of their schools. Uh, but there is one counterpoint. New Zealand rugby at high school and provincial level have a really, really big issue, which is openly discussed. My old man's on the provincial board with players at 13 and 14 being selected for provinces rep teams and then automatically being selected year in, year out until they leave school. And then they sit on top of the list for professional contracts. The one good part of televising these games is it does expose a lot of players who don't deserve to be continually selected and it exposes kids that didn't mature until they're 17 or 18 who should be selected for these rep teams. It's not a reason to help televise it, but it does help address a major issue in provincial selections. Coaches can see the real talent, not just the first 15 coaches and club coaches. We're going to take a break. New sport and weather. We've got some netball coming up soon too. Righto. I forgot to tell you before the news, you need to ring up if you want to play the vault. We've got a $150 TAB bonus bid up for grabs. If you can open Sammy's vault and figure out what this piece of sporting audio, a sporting moment that he's locked into the audio vault. Can you unlock the combination? 0800 150 811. If you want to have a crack at opening the vault, $150 TAB bonus bet. We've had seven questions on day one. We had five questions on day two. You can ask me for two of the questions from day one. You can ask me one of the questions from day two. And then you will get three questions yourself. Just make them yes-no questions. Make them yes-no questions and see if you can open that vault. I did let it slip yesterday that it is not Michael Campbell <laughs> because uh, there was one of the questions was... Is a New Zealander involved? Oh, is a New Zealander involved? That was one of the ones yesterday and it was no. So that just threw me out. And the other one I thought it was was David Tua. And we, so. didn't, we didn't quite get um, critical on the Tuesday questions because one of them was um, is it a team sport and then two questions later it was is it played by an individual so <laughs> you know you got to be a bit quicker than though, than that people if you want to have any any shot of opening the vault I think we've got someone on the line staff so I'll uh, get underway shall I okay mate three questions one answer can you crack the vault we're going to the country music capital of the world. We're going to Gore and talking to Reed. G'day, Reed. G'day, Steph. How we getting on, team? Good, mate. Now, you enjoy your country music down there? Yeah, don't mind a bit of country music, mate. Better boy. Better boy. Sam, Better boy. Sammy yeah. loves the country music, yeah. too. All right. Yeah, have, you been, have you been listening? Uh, yes, I have been, yep. And have you got an idea, Reed? Uh. Probably quite, haven't quite nailed it yet. Okay, but nice. I've got a little bit of an inkling. And that's what the three questions are for. So, do you need me to go over two from day one and one from day two? Do you need those? Uh, maybe six and seven from the first day, please. Right, six and seven. Is it 2006 or earlier? Yes. Is it in the Southern Hemisphere? No. Am I right, Sam? Have I got the right vault yes, questions? Yes, yes, yeah, that, that's correct. I was just a bit worried there for a minute. Um, so the other two, and what about from the next day? 
no, I think I'm all good with the yeah the next day. Okay, okay. so it's earlier than two two thousand and six or earlier. Yes, Southern Hemisphere. No, so you get three questions. All right. Uh, does this piece of sporting uh, or an event involve Tiger Woods? Oh my goodness! Straight to the punch. Tiger Woods involved. Read from Gore. Yes, it does. Oh my God! Reed. Okay. That's not the one I was thinking of then. That's what they call on baseball a home run, Reed. Right, you get two more. <laughs> two more. Okay. Was this. Um, his. Well, was it involving his first major win? Involving first Ooh. major win. Now, you don't know the answer, do you, Zoom? No. I just want to double check this, okay? I just he have just, to double check just this. Has to I have it. all these infor- all this information in front of me. Uh, yes. Uh, sorry, no. No. It does not. No, it does not involve his first major win. Mm. One more question. Hey. Oh, this could all be right. this could be a huge help or no help, depending on the question. Do, uh, do, do I get a chance to have staff to ask a question or not? Well, we we sort of can that after the, the first day, don't we, staff? And you just get the repeat questions. That's sort of your... That's my one, That's yeah. your benefit. Yeah. Whereas the first day doesn't get that, so they get staff to ask a question. But you got one more, and then you can have a okay. guess. One more, then a guess. So, was it, uh, by any chance, <laughs> involving the time that he won his... Fourth um, major in a row consecutively. Fourth consecutive major. Oh, I know where Being you're going. Master. I know where you're going. So you're saying did it doesn't involve something in the four in a row? Something to do with it. He won. He won. What did it call? They called it the Tiger Slam, didn't they? He won the last three the next, and then the, the first year, one. First yeah. one of the next year. Uh, it does not revolve around that. Read. Mm. Right. Mm. Before 2006, right. Well, I'm going to... Oh, it's my guest now, isn't it? Yes, it is. I'm going to have a guess and just say it was the time that Tiger Woods hit the hole-in-one and the crowd absolutely erupted. Okay. You, you, can you give me anything more around that? You don't want to give me a year, a tournament... Uh, I'm just thinking of I'm just thinking of how picky the vault is, Reed. You know that combination. <laughs> the locks are pretty tight there. Just got to make sure we get it the dang on. Yeah, radio, radio. Uh, oh, I don't know the year. Um, Take a stab at the year. It, we did have it on uh, what happened next uh, earlier in the year. I'm pretty sure. Lazy Sam, eh? Well, okay, forget about the year. Just give me a tournament. Yeah, was it the Masters? All right, so you're going Tiger Woods hitting a hole-in-one at the Masters. The crowd goes nuts. Put Let's it in the punch vault. it into the vault, read and see how we go. Oh, I thought he hit it. No. 
Oh, the excess denied read, mate. You feel oh. like you're close, man. You're so close. Oh. But I, and you have you have done whoever gets the next call, staff a God's world. Work. Yes, you have done God's work. Just to, just to come in straight off the bat with Tiger, that was a wow. massive massive question. I loved um, it. It narrowed well, it down. The, yeah, the clues all lined up, didn't they? They did read. And the problem is, and I might be giving away too much here, staff. The problem is with Tiger a lot of the answers to your questions are sort of yes because the moments do all line up. Yeah. You know, they are all very similar. So um, I might have sold you up at the creek a little bit, but two hundy staff is going to be up for grabs yeah. tomorrow. <laughs> or when, I guess, no, because we're not here tomorrow, We're Steph, not here tomorrow, you. so it's Monday. That's going to have to be Monday. It's going to have to be. And I'll tell you what, 200 bucks on Monday, the day before the Melbourne Cup. Oh. Woo! oh. You might have to call back, Reid. You might get through. I'll be, I'll be having a go at it anyway. Good boy. Good on you, Reid. Thank you. Uh, thanks, guys. Thank Cheers, you. mate. Uh, James's texture is guess, and I normally don't read out people's guess, but I'm going to read out James' guess. He said, is it Tiger King? Uh, <laughs> cannot confirm nor deny. I feel <laughs> gutted for Reid there, staff. He was, on, he was on the right track, and if he'd had five or seven oh, guesses. Jeez, that first run, I'm like, where's that come from? But he obviously had it in his head, and it, it was good because – um, he obviously had something in his mind, and he's like, I'm going to narrow it down. Is it Tiger Woods? Mm. And if it's no, okay, you kick on and go and find out something else. So I, just before we go, yeah, I went out yesterday and I said, I think I know what it is. And you said, what is it? And I told you what I thought it was. And the look on your face, I was convinced I had it right. <laughs> I don't even remember that. What was that? I said, I think it's Tony Hawk's 980. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And the look on your face, I was like, oh, and I said, and I didn't even, is that right? You I could so just, stoked. I could tell by your face I was right. You are yep. the world's best liar. <laughs> <laughs> Don't play poker with Sammy Hewitt. Oh. oh, fantastic. Listen, we're going to have a break because after this, we're going to catch up with former England netball captain. She captained England to the gold medal of the Commonwealth Games. She's played all around the world. Her name is Ama Agbezi. She is going to join the show right after this. Time for some netball now, and we are joining someone who's not too unfamiliar to New Zealand fans, played a few seasons here, thankfully for the Pulse, uh, also had stints with other teams as well. In in fact, I read 18 teams around the world she has played for, uh, but probably best known for captaining the 2018 Commonwealth Games England team to a gold medal. Uh, Hasn't too long been out of the game, and... uh, Ama Abguese, great to have you on the show, Ama. Um, over there in the UK, welcome in. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Um, when you watch netball these days, do you watch as a player, as a coach, as a fan? How invested in it and what's your style of watching netball? That's an interesting question. I think it depends on why I'm watching. So if I'm doing commentary, I tend to watch, I guess, as a commentator, but also as a player. Whereas if I'm just watching for my leisure, I try to just watch as a fan. Um, Although I then start analysing things and thinking why this person didn't move there and the flow and that type of thing. So I don't know that you can ever get away from analysing a game, but I do like to just be a fan if I can. And look, you started playing a wee while ago and you finished playing not very long ago, or maybe you even still do play. How, how's the game, the nuts and bolts of uh, the strategy of the game and the, um, just how the game's played, how's that changed since you started playing at a higher level? 
I think essentially netball is a very simple game. You pass the ball from A to B and you score. And so being very simple, there isn't that much that can change about it. But I think what has developed is the physicality of players, the speed in which the game is played. And then also I think as time has moved forward in terms of the top nations, there's more access to analysis. There's more players internationally playing their domestic netball in Australia or New Zealand, which are seen as the best netballing nations in the world. And so actually there's been a spread of netball knowledge and information in terms of how the game's played. And that is then taken back to the respective countries of those international athletes. And so it's almost a case of the game is... The game is being played before when international sides met. It would be a very rare occurrence and you would then have to deal with how the team played and then there'd be a gap and you have to then pick up on it as you played that team. Whereas now, because of analysis, because of um, contracts with TV and because of the movement of international players, that doesn't happen as much. So as an athlete, you need to be more aware of trying to adapt your game and to adjust. Um constantly because the game is just that bit more competitive because let's say for example New Zealand played a zone style which was very different to any other nation and nowadays most nations know how to play a zone how to combat a zone and so I think in the time since I started playing the only difference is that people have to be that bit smarter to deal with the fact that everybody knows everything that everyone's doing. Are you enjoying or noticing the increased development in other nations? It was for so long New Zealand and Australia and then England and then now we've seen Jamaica. But other teams like Malawi and uh, Uganda are starting to, you know, play and get get the odd win and things like that. It's a good thing for any sport to have more than sort of three teams dominating and is that part of that osmosis of talent and coaching from the leading netball nations going out to the to the to the lower down nations and making them better? A hundred percent. And I think in netball there's quite a big disparity between, say, the top three, four nations, and then there's a middle um sort of level of nations and then um other nations. And I think actually it's in netball's best interest to get rid of that disparity and so we do need to have more coaches from all nations coming into different series to understand and learn so they can take that back to their respective countries and you do see as you mentioned Malawi, Uganda they are making strides and they are improving and challenging the world's best teams and actually they have really limited resources and so I think it's exciting for those teams and I just wonder what they could do if they had the amount of financial backing or support or facilities and that type of thing. And so I think netball and the top nations, I think, have a responsibility to try to garner that understanding and that development because it can only do, I guess it can only be positive for netball. And netball competes in a world where there's so many sports out there for people to watch, to play and to enjoy. And so we need to do the best that we can to ensure that netball is there and people are taking notice of it. 
And when we get games between two of the top nations, like, like you know, we've seen the Constellation Cup, and that was two tests each to New Zealand and Australia, and then we had the first one between the Diamonds and the Roses last night. An unbelievable game decided in the in the final seconds, uh, 55-54, but the quarters were 14-all, um, 12-13, 16-12, 13-15. So there was nothing in it. I think the biggest lead at any stage was six, and that was in the second quarter, and that was just tip for tat and tip for tat. Um, it's, it's a really good advertisement for netball. I'm just wondering the, the appetite in, at the domestic level, well, the general public level in the UK, where netball sits. Well, I think exciting games like that definitely help. I know that in the UK, it netball has struggled, I think, because it's seen as a, a school-go game. And I think the 2018 Commonwealth Games win was a momentous moment for netball in the UK because people started to see it as an international sport that is incredible and exciting. And so there was a lift in the momentum of netball um, 2018, 2019, and then the pandemic has really hit not just netball, but I think female sport badly here in the UK. So during the pandemic, the, most sports stopped initially, and then summer sports carried on, and they were typically male sports. So the Premier League football continued. I think the rugby premiership continued, but the female versions of those sports didn't continue. And so what was an incredible rise of women's sport in 2018-19 actually has taken a massive backward step. And I think the Commonwealth Games being here was great for sport in the UK and also the fact that audiences could actually go and physically enjoy sport. But I think netball, because we were the defending champions, there was a lot of hype around the team. And then I think to... If we had managed, if we if we'd have won gold, I think that would have set just set the ball rolling again. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case, and so I think there is still a lot of work to do in terms of the appetite and putting netball out there for people in the UK. Our female football team, the Lionesses, won the Euros this year, and they've had incredible attendances. And so I think at the moment, if netball had won in sorry, if England had won the Commonwealth Games, I think it would have just been a massive capitalist. And so, unfortunately, there's still work to do, although not unfortunate, there is still work to do. And hopefully, moving forward, netball will be able to be there. And I think being shown, matches are shown on Sky, and Sky's been a loyal supporter of netball here in the UK. And But the women's football of domestic competition is shown on free-to-air TV. And so, I think netball are competing with... Um, that type of, I guess, that type of footage and the audience trying to drive an audience to see and watch netball and get to games physically is very difficult in this space. What what is what is the landscape and what is the the pathway for netball in the UK? Like here, we've got a really good schools competition, a, a national program. We've got under twenties, we've got age groups, uh, we've we've got the ANZ Premiership, which you've played in, and then we've got a level underneath that sort of feeder teams into those ANZ premierships and then we've got the Silver Ferns. What's the structure for netballers progressing through in the English system? We we have a similar structure. Um, I'm not sure how strong it is compared to the New Zealand system though. So we obviously have the Roses like you have the Ferns and we have the England Futures which is a development type team which the Ferns also have. Um, the school system, schools 
netball is taught in schools. It used to be on the national curriculum, which meant that the government um, determined that every school had to teach netball to its um, girls, but it's no longer on the national curriculum. And I think the government are trying to ensure that girls stay active and involved in sport. And so in order to do that, they want to broaden the sports available so that girls can choose whatever sport is going to keep them being active. I think that's probably detrimental to netball because if you go through a generation of people my age and slightly younger and definitely older, the majority of them did netball at school, which then means there's more of, I guess, a network of netballers within the UK. If we skip forward 10 or 20 years from now, that won't be the case. And so I think long-term, netball has a lot of work to do in order to keep momentum and to keep people in netball. Um, I think the, the pathway has changed. So there used to be a county system, um, which I guess it would be a little bit like your MPC um, system, but slightly... NPCs, I guess, more regional. County is a little lower down. So there were maybe about 50 counties, roughly. Don't quote me on that. Um, in the UK, and that used to be where people would go every week, train with their county. There was under eight, under 16s, under 18s, under 21s, and senior. Um, they then got rid of the under 21s, and eventually county um, was gotten rid of completely. And so I think since that change, it's taken a bit for people to get used to but also I think in schools other sports still have a county system and so I think there's a little bit of confusion when I go into schools and do talks be it girls or boys there'll be children saying oh I play county cricket I play county tennis and then netball saying oh well I'm in a netball academy a county netball academy which isn't quite the same and also in the academies they don't actually have much match play so I think they go through a whole season of training and developing and then they have one tournament at the end of the year and so I I obviously don't get get to choose but I do think that that potentially might have an impact on how people rise to the top of the England pathway and I guess combined with the lack of netball being on the national curriculum it might impact netball in years to come. What's your involvement in netball? I know you do commentary. Um, do you still put the put the netball shoes on and go and go and give it a whirl and, and demonise some attacking netballers, or are you doing <laughs> are you doing coaching? What what are you up to in the netball space? Yeah, so I haven't played this year, which uh, in my mind, when I say out loud, it seems crazy. But actually, I haven't really missed it. Um, I've had a few health issues, and so I haven't um, been playing. But I. I've been doing coaching, not, I don't coach 18. So I sort of go into schools or I go to clubs um, and do various um, coaching sessions. So sort of ad hoc or a couple in a row. Um, I keep on thinking I potentially, well, people keep telling me that I should coach a team. And I'm considering, um, I'm considering that. But at the moment, I, yeah, just do doing ad hoc coaching and Hopefully one day I can, as you say, come back and demonise some attackers <laughs> with playing. Go and coach. <laughs> go and coach a team. I mean, you know you love the environment. You love the girls and you love the team environment. You've got so much knowledge I and know. wisdom. Just go and do it, mate. I know. Thank you. Thank you. I need this. I need this pep talk because I, and that is what I love about netball. Like I couldn't, that training was 
a nightmare for me. Like I had to force myself to train. But in terms of, as you say, the environment, just being amongst people, laughing, joking, um, but also working hard. That that is what I love, and I really do miss it. So, if anyone will have me, I will. <laughs> I'm available. <laughs> Come and coach in New Zealand. Come and go do a stint in New Zealand. God, we've got we've got Rob here from Australia. He's assistant coach of the Mystics. Make some calls. Do you want me to make some calls? <laughs> yeah. Oh, if you could just, you could be my agent in New Zealand for coaching. Deal. I'll wait to hear from you. Deal. Deal. <laughs> um, uh, awesome, to, awesome to chat with you. Um, and I, it was a bit unfair. I, I didn't realise you'd recorded the game from this morning, your time, and you haven't watched it, so I hope I didn't ruin it too much for you. Sit back, enjoy it. It's a, it's a wonderful game, a wonderful, wonderful game. Uh, but you do know that they came out on the wrong side of the ledger. But um, awesome, awesome to chat to you. Um, uh, we wish you well, and I'm looking forward to you with, with your designer coach's outfit on. But maybe the net, <laughs> may, maybe the netball shoes on as well, just in case there's an injury or two and you need to change the momentum of a game. Um, you've still got a lot to give. Oh, I like it. You've definitely talked me up. And also the outfits. I forgot in New Zealand, coaches dress well. Yes. So it probably is the place that I need to be with my coaching. Right. We'll be in touch, Arma. Um, just <laughs> keep your phone tuned on and I'll make some calls. <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks. Arguably as important news from Sammy Hewitt on a Thursday or a Friday, because we're both not here tomorrow. Um, Sammy, I have time this weekend to consume optically my sporting highlights. Great news, Steph. And I'll put together a little itinerary for you. As I do every Thursday, thanks to our friends at Spark Sport, and um, every weekend there is just so much going on at the moment because of all these World Cups and because a lot of seasons and a lot of sports are sort of coming to the end, Steph. Um, except for uh, the NBA, which you can watch on Spark Sport uh, throughout the, the week and the weekend. Tomorrow we've got the Knicks and the Hornets uh, and the Trailblazers and the Miami Heat. On Friday we've got the Nets and the Mavericks. That'll be a good game. Um, over the weekend we've got the Celtics, the Cavaliers. So there's tons of NBA on if you just want to dabble in and out of that sort of stuff. But the but the meat of the weekend, Steph, starts on Saturday morning, Kiwis Island, Live on Spark Sport from, I think, 7.30 kickoff. You'll be watching. Absolutely will be. And I'll tell you why. Me and Kimmy talked about this running it straight yesterday. Kiwis have basically named a full-strength team. They mm-hmm. have to because you have to get that team playing together before a quarterfinal and then obviously a semifinal against Australia. Um, so the Kiwis really have to put a good performance out there. They have, they've not fired on all cylinders yet. And, and Kimby raised a good point. Ironically, we all thought the Kiwis were going to be guns blazing because they've played together and Australia were going to struggle because they hadn't played in three years. Australia are firing, Steph, mm. you know, to the nth degree and the Kiwis are struggling a little bit. So it makes me a little bit nervous for a semi-final against them. Uh, but the game against Ireland is quite important on Saturday, I think, for making sure this team has what it takes to go all the way. And they're getting plays. Is this the one that Jared Warrior Hargreaves can back. play? He's yeah. back. Jerome Dylan Hughes. Brown. Jerome Hughes is back. Dylan Brown is back. Jerome yeah. Manu back to the back to fullback. So um, very strong team, and it, they have to do a number. So 7.30 on um, Saturday morning for that one. The rest of the rugby league games, like England-Greece, um, that's an early morning game on Sunday. I think England are going to kill them in that. Fiji-Scotland, 2.40 on Sunday. Australia-Italy, last chance to see Australia before the quarterfinals. That's at uh, 7.30 on Sunday morning. Um, and then one that is a little bit interesting, if you can get up at 3.10 on Monday morning, early start for you, uh, Tonga-Cook Islands. Because, oh, that'll be good. I mean, Tonga are really are playing great rugby league at this World Cup, but but the Cook Islands are also, and, you know, um, Anthony Galling will probably give us another half-time 
took Cook Island's tourism promo. So, <laughs> so it could be worth a watch. Um, so that's your rugby league. Of course, the Women's Rugby World Cup. That's probably uh, the big one for you, Staff, over the weekend. Starts on Saturday at 4pm with the France-Italy game. Uh, well, France, that'll be easy, easy dub for them. Yeah, but I'm watching them because that's our semi-final. Of course, yeah, that's, mm. that's how you gauge it. And then, of course, the, the Black Ferns playing Wales at... Uh, I think build up from 6.45, is it a 7 or 7.30 kickoff? I think it's 7.30, is it? I think so. Yes, 7.30. Um, and then on the Sunday, we've got England-Australia. That'll be a pretty good game, won't it? 1pm 1, yeah. 1 on a Sunday. And then uh, Canada-USA, they're, re- they're meeting again after last weekend's game. Which and, jeez, is- it was it was touch and go for about 75 minutes in that game, and, and Canada got away right at the end. They heavily favoured the Canadians, but mm. America, it's only a week apart. America. Freedom. You know, <laughs> rights, land of the free, constitution. I'm just throwing out some words for you, Steph. You take Watergate. it if you want. <laughs> I've, been, I've been listening to a podcast on Watergate. It's uh, it's concerning. Uh, Sunday, it's oh, I'm not good on 24 hour time. 21 30. It's 9 30. 9 30. Diamonds England game two. I'll be watching. I watched last night. Very close. Fantastic. I would love for the obviously England to get up in that because then game three is going to you know deciding games are always fantastic. So we've got that on Spark Sport. Um, a few other sprinklings in amongst it. NFL on Monday morning, of course. A Vikings, Cardinals, Jets, Pats. Let's go Pats and Rams, <laughs> 49ers. If you if you're sick of any sort of oval ball code um, staff, then of course. The Formula One Mexico Grand Prix this weekend. Timings? Uh, good timings. Uh, race will be 7.30 Monday morning. It might be about 8 o'clock actually after build up. That's, so that's a Monday few morning. weeks in a row of viewable it is great. It is, it's a prime time for the Southern Hemisphere. All the Europeans hate it because mm. it's a terrible time for them, but it's great for Kiwi viewers. So, uh, of course, practice qualifying, uh, then the race on Monday morning. That's all on Sparksport across the weekend. So, Good news. Whew, catch your breath because uh, there's a lot going on, Steph. There's and a lot going on. There'll be more next weekend. Mm, I tell you what, that viewing is so hot, uh, Captain Case put his sunglasses on again. Do I give him a headache? Look at him. Sunglasses. Steaming. He's steaming. Uh, he hasn't turned the lights out. Yet. He's like Dennis Rodman in there, isn't he? He is. He is. Uh, he's off to Vegas this weekend. Going to go and get married. Um, Captain K. All right. Uh, it's time for Show Me the Money. Time for Show Me the Money. I've just made my selection. It's interesting. It's left field. If you want to play Show Me the Money, we got within a whisker of over $10,000 on last week's one, and it was our shortest price one that failed. Give us a call, 0800 A $50 TAB bonus bet was put on your behalf. Myself, I don't know if Sam's going to do it, Captain K and the listener. Show me the money. Give us a call. You could be you. Show you the money. Show me the money. Show me the money. I need to feel you, Jerry. Show me the money. Jerry, you better yell. Show me the money. Here we go. Here we go with Show Me The Money. So, so close to a big, big payday last week. But that was yesterday. That was yesterday's news. We're on today's news. Sammy, um, $50 TB bonus bet. On the line. On the line. Um, we've got four tips to put in, Steph. You know I won't be doing it because I've officially resigned from oh, was Show Me real? The Money for the foreseeable future. Take that one on the chin. Um, so I think we've hang got on here. Bruce on the line. We've got to do four legs. Yeah, well, we'll either Bruce can take two or he can call upon you or Kez to give us a fourth a fourth tip oh. from your little bag of tricks. But Bruce. Uh, Bruce is on the line. G'day, Bruce. Holy moly, no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to everyone else that was on hold. You're all hanging up. I can see you. It's like departing friends. Um, <laughs> Bruce, I'm going to give you 
my one first, shall I? Yeah, go on, Steph. Okay, so I took an $11 shot last week. I'm not going as rash this time. Um, I'm going a little bit left field. I am going into the DP Tour, Portugal Masters. Now, most of the top players aren't playing this week. They're having a week off. So I'm going a top 20 finish to the golfer from Denmark. His name is Thorbjorn Ollison, and I'm picking him. He's a Ryder Cup player. He beat Jordan Spieth in the Ryder Cup. He's a six-time winner on tour. He's ranked 22nd on the DP Tour. And as I say, a lot of the top 20 guys aren't playing, but he is. And he is paying $2.50. He's the 10th favourite. I think he should be about third or fourth favourite. So two fifty for a top 20 finish. Oh. Top 20 he has to finish, Bruce. That's my show me the money. Easy money. Easy money. Easy money. <laughs> Easy money. That, that, that's, um, that's bloody spooky because I've just spent five minutes looking at the DP tour. And looking exactly almost the same thing. Wow. <laughs> Smart minds quite... think alike. Great minds think alike, Bruce. Should we throw Great. it over to, should we throw yeah, it over to Kez? All right, you sit back. We'll... What was your mother's name? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Um, we, need, we need to do a DNA test. <laughs> um, let's sit back and listen to Captain I... Kay's rationale. He was successful last week. Captain Kay, what are you going? Look, I, I was successful last week, Steph, and I went to the UFC. Bit of an omen bet to uh, our friend Neeps, who had his birthday over the weekend. I'm here for a bit of vengeance. All right, mm, this mm, week. Mm, mm. I am sick and tired of Tony Kemp giving it to Sammy Hewitt for losing out last week and picking an anytime try scorer in the Kiwis game. I'm going the same way and proving Tony Kemp that we can do it on afternoons with Staffy here. Bit of an omen to Sammy here. Will right. you resign if you lose those, though, kids? Uh, of course not, Sammy, because uh, <laughs> I'm a tragic. Uh, but I'm more. I think I'm already one and one and six or something. Anyway, let's go because it's going to change yeah. this weekend. I'm two and six. New Zealand versus Ireland. Kiwis taking on Ireland. Mm. I like the look of Dylan Brown, anytime try scorer at two bucks. Show me that money, Sam. Show me the money. Oh. Well, that's. I mean, full strength Kiwis team. Steph, as I just said before, full strength side going up against an Ireland team that isn't going to make the quarterfinals. Kiwis got to get it right. Dylan Brown should be in and around the points. So two bucks is. I think pretty tasty, Steph. You, you guys are looking good so far. Two dollars and two fifty over to Bruce. Bruce for pick number one. Ah hell, um, Dylan Brown. That's a great call. Um, we have not got any team for All Blacks Japan yet, have we? No, three thirty. That gets named. Nah, damn. But I mean, I could. Are you thinking of a particular player? I tell you what, you could do. You could say, "I want to take the All Black number eight yeah. to score a try." And when the team comes out and the odds get filled, we can put the bet on tomorrow. Oh, hang on, no, we well, can't because well, no, the I golf can, starts tonight. I, I can no. put it on this afternoon. I'm pretty sure the team gets named in an hour. I can put it on this afternoon. Well, I'm more thinking number two, a hooker. Yeah, oh, okay, yeah. good shout. Yep. Well, hey, if you if you want to take that, I can I can load it up in in forty minutes time. Yeah, I mean, geez, it's just. No-brainer, isn't it? Every time they have a rolling more 15 out, the hooker's there. All right. Well, let's pencil that one in. That can be sort of that floating pick that I'm not going to give, Steph. Yep. So is there something else, Bruce, that you're looking at? Or you can call on Steph, who's got about a million windows up on his screen. <laughs> Anything else that takes your fancy? Yeah. Um, yeah, well, it's funny. The DP2 I was looking at, I was, I was looking at the field, I think. And a guy called Victor Perez was about third 
favourite to win the thing, third or fourth favourite, I think. I was wondering, maybe in the top, I think he's paying two we can't five. we can't put it in because well, we of the same no, same right. game yeah same game yeah, no, stick with yours, mate. Right, right what else do you think Steph Steph anything else take your fancy mate Jeepers Black creepers. I tell you um, what what about we we had I think well no I know he is the greatest greyhound tipster in the country we had him on the show earlier today shall we chuck in one of his greyhounds that he tipped us and they raced tonight yeah that's not bad yeah why not that's not bad. He, he doesn't sound convinced. I'm just trying to find them now. Uh, I had them written down. Uh, Addington tonight. One was in race four. It I, was uh, G-Tan, race four, number six. Yeah, that's the one he liked. Oh, what time is that, most? though? What time is that? It's come right down because we got it about 260 or something, didn't it? It's at two bucks now. What time uh, is it? Six. Runs at 6.04 this evening. As long as that try scorer's market is out by six o'clock. That's the only problem, Sam. I tell you what, if it's not, we'll just put a three-legger on. Okay. We'll just put a three-legger on. That's what we'll on. do, Bruce. But uh, look, at the moment, it's sitting at the exact amount of $10. So, you know, throw on an anytime try score for a, for a hooker, and what's that usually pay, Steph? Maybe? Uh, against Japan, maybe $1.60. Okay. So, I don't know math through us. 16 bucks. Times so, five? Quick, Sam, seven hundred fifty. Yeah, $7.50. $7.50. <laughs> that uh, that's probably worthy of it. Bruce, we wish you luck. It's a little bit of a shambolic one because the All Black team hasn't been named, but once it does, yeah. you got the hooker. Go the hooker. Go the hooker and Thorbjorn Your Ollison and Sam and Dylan Brown and the Greyhound. Good luck. So Thorb and Ollison, did you say? Yep. Top twenty. Okay, I'll go get them. Good on you. Good on you. The great Danish man. We'll have a break and we'll come back and we'll wrap it all up. Let's have a look back. In this day, on this day, October 27, 1961, the American Basketball League began its inaugural playing schedule. The league was designed to be a rival to the NBA. Didn't last long, one season. 1990, October 27, Great Britain scored a rare rugby league win over Australia, beating them 19-12 in the first test at Wembley in front of 54,000 fans. Listen to these names. Ellery Hanley, Andy Gregory, Gary Stoke, Schofield. Second half tries, home side. Go on. 1991, the Minnesota Twins beat the Atlanta Braves in only the second time, sorry, in only the second 1-0 Game 7 in World Series history. For the first time in 67 years, Game 7 went in extra innings. Uh, series MVP Jack Morris pitched 10 scoreless innings. Jack Morris is still a legend. Birthdays today. 63 years old today, Rick Carlisle, NBA Hall of Fame coach. 58 years old today, Mark Taylor, former Australian cricket captain. Also in cricket, Kumar Sangakkara, Sri Lankan test wicketkeeper. Happy birthday. Also in cricket, <laughs> David Warner's 36. And has never got out to him. Here is Southie, bowling. He is there! Oh, he's bowled first ball! You wouldn't believe it! A dirty swipe across the line by Warner. He tried to hit him out of the park, but he's got to leave the SCG because Tim Southey has his scalp. Gone for five, five for the loss of one. His lungs were on full empty then, the snake. Oh, the joy. Happy birthday, though, David. 
All the best to you. If you were born on this day in 1986, the number one movie, that's not a knife, this is a knife, Crocodile Dundee, and the number one song, before we play that, Sam, before we play that, thank you to you for all your efforts today, and thank you to Captain K for all your efforts today. We're going to give you a decent chunk of this song. Cindy Lauper, True Colours, stick around. Uh, Phoenix Nation is coming up before the run home. Your soccer football fix is coming up. Go, Cindy. Life's so full on. I've been working on this deck for ages. These steaks don't cook themselves, you know. Life's good with a Trex deck. Composite decking made from 95% recycled materials that won't rot, stain or fade. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.